millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode nine. Hi, hello, welcome once again, dear listener, to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 9, and I am your host, once again, Mark Fraser. First of all, I'd like to open with a massive thank you. Last week, this wee podcast was near the bottom of the top 100 new and noteworthy shows, and this week, it's number 4, and it's currently sitting proudly on the front page of Apple's iTunes podcast page. So thank you, thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. I don't know if people are listening because they like the format or because of the pull of the guests, but either way, none of this would be possible without you, the person listening right now. So thank you from the very bottom of my heart. I mean it. I mean it so much. It, it's it's mind-blowing. It's, it's fucking breathtaking, actually. It's taking my breath away. So, yeah. Thank you. So with that in mind, I want to ask you if you'd like to see other podcasts alongside this sort of standard interview one. And if you do, what kind of stuff would you like to see? If you've got any ideas, you can drop me an email with suggestions over at thecuratorpodcast.com. I also aim to do more blogs, so if you want to see anything covered, I'd really appreciate some suggestions. This podcasting thing is a a two-way thing, you know, I want to give you value. I want to give you stuff that you find interesting. I've been trying to do that on Facebook, I've been trying to do that on Twitter by posting links and curating content on there that I think you might find interesting. If that's annoying, please let me know. I won't be offended. But the whole idea here is for me to bring stuff to your attention and basically provide some kind of value and some interest to you alongside the actual general podcast. Anyway, let's crack on. This week we have Derek from Defeater on the show. I recently travelled through to Edinburgh to see the band for the first time ever. And by all accounts, their emotive hardcore was just as captivating in the flesh as it is on record. I first heard Defeater many, many years ago, actually, when I received a random promo copy of their first album, Travels, in the post. At the time, I was running a website, which I still kind of run, called dailydiscord.com. So, as you might expect, from running a music website, we used to get sent a lot of CDs. Not so much anymore, mostly it's digital, but for a long time I used to receive promo CDs in the post every day. I mean, I dread to think what the cost of that was for the labels involved. It must have been obscene, but I digress. I'm not sure if PR companies expect you to listen to everything they send your way. After all, 
They also send you out the usual PR blurb describing the band, their influences and their sound. So, I mean, if you read that and it doesn't catch your attention, then I guess you, you won't listen to it. At the time I got Travels, I wasn't listening to much hardcore at all. In fact, I think the only records that I kept in rotation at the time were some early AFI stuff like Black Sails in the Sunset and Give Up the Ghosts Were Down Toward Underground and kind of whatever other punk stuff that I liked at that time. I mean, this was back in 2008, so it was a little while ago. It was just after the site started, actually. Daily Discourse started in 2007, and I got that album in the post probably about a year later. When I put the CD on, I was kind of I was kind of transfixed, really. Uh, I wasn't expecting what I heard. I was drawn in not only by the intensity of the music, but also by the way that the narrative the underlying story of the fear as a band sort of wraps around everything. From the visual aesthetic of the CDs, right through to their T-shirts, website, online presence, everything's tied into this narrative that's covered in lyrics. And it's one of the very few times that I immediately liked a record I'd been sent from a PR company. I mean, usually you'd get sent a record from a PR company, you'd have to sit with it for a few days. You'd have to let it seep in just to ensure that you're getting it properly. This one hit me straight away. Um, it was very immediate, and that's what I liked about it. And that's kind of like what's happened with Defeat Are Really, is that their sound has become maybe less immediate, but more complex and more textured and more layered and, and richer. They've become, they've kind of moved away from being this brash, hardcore band to sort of kind of thoughtful, hardcore songwriters. And they make hardcore music like nobody else does right now. And that's one of the reasons why I love them so much. So singer Derek, he was kind enough to talk to me after the show. And we had a pretty cool chat. I can say from experience that doing anything after you've just like bared your soul on stage for like an hour or for 45 minutes to an hour to a room full of people is quite a challenge. So I really appreciate Derek for taking the time to talk to me, particularly when he told me that he was ill. So yeah, with that in mind, um, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'm going to open it with a song from Travels, their first album. This is called Forever Forgetter. Yeah, I play the red with that needle in a 
Derek, how you doing? Doing all right. How's the hip? Mechanical. Can you expand on that? <laughs> Robotic. Do you feel like a cyborg? Yeah, T-1000-esque. Are you going to turn into like liquid metal at some point? No, I can't do that yet. Is that coming? Probably. <laughs> it's the fucking future, man. It's coming for everybody. <laughs> yeah, so you guys... Recently, very recently, announced your new album, Abandoned. Yeah. Uh, is this the first interview you've given since you announced that? Uh, yeah, it is. Sweet. So what can you tell me about the album? It's coming out on Epitaph, August 28th, 2015. And I don't know, we're really proud of it. We all really like it. Um, we... Every single member was involved from the ground up, and that's a first for Defeater. And uh, I don't know. I feel like we made a record that uh, kind of pulls from everything that we do well. And um, I don't know. As much as we like took some new creative liberties, it's still the same exact band that we've been doing for the last seven years, and like it still sounds like us. So whatever people think about us uh, being on Epitaph now and changing the band is completely wrong. So I have been noticing the Epitaph chat, as we say, online. Yeah. Um, that must be a pretty big deal for you guys, though, being on Epitaph now. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a dream come true for us. Like, we all, you know, the, with their roster and the... Um, you know, early, mid, late 90s, that was when we were all getting into punk and, like, every other kid, like, getting getting into that music, like, you know, Rancid and Descendants, Bad Religion, those are all huge, seminal bands that, um, you know, and Outcome the Wolves came out my, like, freshman year in high school, I think, and uh, <clears throat> just kind of help set the tone um i don't know some great fucking hardcore records came out on that label too that get really looked over i think like um instead and agnostic front released amazing records on uh on epitaph instead's like i think one of the best fucking hardcore bands ever and uh they get quite overlooked i know it's a different time but um yeah, I don't know. Being on Epitaph is, is an actual dream come true for us. That's cool to hear. Like, I know a lot of bands get flack for being Epitaph now because of the bands that they have, but 
for me and a lot of the people that I know, it's always one of those things like, well, it's fucking Epitaph Records, man. Like, yeah, you know. people are going to talk shit because they can. And that's people just fucking sit on the internet all goddamn day and just shoot their fucking mouths off because they have nothing better to do. And they grew up in a time and generation where they get everything handed to them and everything's instantaneous and they can get whatever they want immediately. So, of course, they're going to fucking sit and complain about something because they think they have fodder for their uh, their opinions with, like, you know, bands that they don't like on the label or whatever. So... <clears throat> But, yeah, fuck them. Fuck them, indeed. I think that's probably the best attitude to have, to be honest. Because um, when I was growing up, Epitaph was also the same thing. It was like, you know, fucking the offspring. Like you say, bad religion, all yeah. that kind of shit. It was, you know, it was seminal, like you say, man. It was totally yeah. a huge deal. Um, so, yeah, Abandoned, that you've got coming out in Epitaph, is like another part of the overall concept that initially, I guess, powers the future's music. I heard Jay say in other interviews that the feature is essentially an art project, um, with every aspect of the band managed from like the ground, the ground up. Yeah. Um, you've spoken a lot about, in, a, in a lot of interviews about the narrative that, that sort of powers the band. Um, but at what point did you and Jay decide that the feature was going to be like an overall concept as a band? Uh, like the first conversation we had about doing the band. Um, we had met a couple times previously doing other projects. Like uh, I was helping my friends record at his place. And, uh, when the opportunity came to, for me to like do the, uh, the vocals on what became travels. Um, the first time we sat down and talked, it was just, uh, I, I drove down to his house and he asked if I'd be down to do a concept record. And, um, I asked him, you know, I, I brought up the time and place and kind of some premise and, and he brought up some premise. And then from then on, it was just, we knew that everything was going to be tied in to that. Like if we, if we did another record, we kind of just did thought we'd do one and then be done, you know, like every other hardcore band, usually it's just one record and then it's over. Yeah. Cause like I was thinking, um, concept albums themselves are quite rare. But to have like a concept band, like that's quite a big undertaking. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. We didn't really think anything of it. We didn't. We weren't trying to like do anything spectacular. We just wanted to do something interesting, and I think, I think we did. I don't know. Your music has quite, I guess, quite an intense quality, which is quite unique. Both the concept, you know, and the whole intenseness. Is that something that you guys have always thought you should have, or it just come naturally? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both like we're not trying to bullshit anybody and like if we're gonna make something we want it to be real so um anything that you would think is like intense or emotive um is because it's actually coming from some actual emotion rather than just like trying to play something that's cool or i don't know like a lot of our favorite bands are I don't know, uh, quote, intense in some way, be it political or their, I don't know, the sound of their band. Um, I don't know. Well, um, your music is often quite layered and textured. Is that also a conscious thing or is it just kind of what, what you guys can do? It's where, what? 
it's quite layered and textured, I think, like compared to other hardcore bands. It's yeah, that's another thing that just, I think, happens naturally because um, Jay is way more into melody than he is just straight aggression. Um, the band's kind of split in that way where um, as much as we, we all you know listen to melodic music or play in other you know more melodic driven bands like um there's some of us that just love ignorant aggressive dissonant hardcore music and um jay is more on the on the end of on melody so the the super melodic um textures and stuff like that are and and jake too jake um has another band called Dream Tigers uh, with Joey that they, um, I already did. Yeah. On the inside too. Um, that is like very dark and melodic. Um, <clears throat> so I get, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I don't know. It, it's it is intentional, and it's something that just just comes naturally to you. I was reading an interview today about how, like, when you joined the theater, like, you weren't listening to much hardcore, except maybe Modern Life Is War and This Is Hell. Um, so now that you're part of that scene, like, do you listen to more no, like okay, music that, now? That's that's not. I don't know. Somebody took liberties with that. Uh, I I guess I had like so I grew up listening to punk and hardcore and just I guess I was on like a leave of absence from yeah. it I didn't I kind of lost interest um, I don't think we ever leave it to be honest man. <laughs> yeah I mean it's like a couple of years of not going to shows and then all of a sudden uh, but I also didn't join Defeater Defeater wasn't a band until we were all together yeah. so that's something else that has been misconstrued that's quite interesting because I mean you, you get a lot of interviews with Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It's kind of like... People will just take liberties of what you say. Yeah. Have you found yeah. that has happened quite a lot? Yep. hundred yeah. percent. People think that we've been a band since 2004 because they had another band with like four of the same members. Yeah. So 
yeah, whatever. That's quite weird. Like, how does nobody that, knows what the fuck they're talking about? How does that make you feel when like you guys are doing like you like that's fucking I don't shit? Know. I don't give a shit. Well, I, I guess <laughs> that, that's punk rock, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, you can say and think whatever you want. It's just wrong. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess at the time I had kind of just given up on it, and uh, the only current bands that I had been listening to besides like my friends' bands, the only bands that like I still felt uh, that were interesting semi-local to or not local but playing around me i don't know where this is hell in mod life that like kind of kept my attention but uh yeah it's not like i was just born into fucking hardcore once like we started this band that's yeah i'm I'm 34 years old i've been doing this for fucking 20 years so i thought when i read that i was like really like can that really be true it's not fucking true (laughs) Well, at least you've cleared it up now, so I guess it's no, good. Yeah, I don't know how, how wide your reach is, but I don't think we're setting any standards here as far as when I got into hardcore. I better be fucking wide <laughs> now, to be honest. <laughs> um, so who are some of the songwriters that you've kind of looked up to, both in terms of hardcore and kind of the solo stuff you've been doing as well? I mean, it's, ev- it's everywhere. Um, I don't know, Graham Parsons, Bruce Springsteen, Todd Rundgren, The Clash, J.D. Salinger. Cormac McCarthy. I'm really glad you brought two authors up because uh, I have a, my next question is the lyrics are very literary. Yeah. Uh, my degrees is in literature. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess do you take your kind of lyric writing from that kind of literary style? Yeah, I steal a lot. Everybody steals a lot. This is a thing. <laughs> yeah, I steal a lot from, I don't know, Fitzgerald and... Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of authors that that kind of um, have or not kind of, but have greatly influenced what I do. I think in order to do to write lyrics that way, I think you'd have to be influenced by by literature in some way. Do you often struggle? Like, I mean, the records that you have so far, like they're all kind of um, the same narrative, like one narrative, but with different strands coming out of it. Do you ever find it difficult? Like, as a writer myself, I find it quite difficult to keep a track of all those strands. Do you ever kind of worry? No. 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 Never at all? So it's like, you know where it's all going. You've got, like, a plan for what everything's going to be. It all just happens naturally. I don't know. Like, I don't... There's, like, one continuous timeline, and it's just splinters from that, and... I don't know. Even the the places where it overlaps, I yeah, I guess they're just already in my head. Like it's all just one long like screenplay in my head, I guess. It's interesting because this podcast itself is generally about creativity and yeah. where that comes from. And I was just kind of wondering like where that creative drive came from for making the narrative about that and being that general. I know yeah. I, like I've I've noticed that reading the lyrics that there's obviously certain parts of it that kind of like maybe a relative to your current life or your current yeah. lives of the people in the band just now. I, I, I mean, I think you might need to read a bit deep to get that, but I think if you do the reading, you can maybe understand that. Yeah, but there's I, definitely some stuff that's that's pulled directly from our lives and directly from, like, my family's lives. But as far as, like, turning it into the story, the, I don't know, just something that I've always wanted to do and explore and since I've been writing songs you know, for like 20 years, I'd just, 
got good at it, I guess, or decent at it. So, like, at what point did you decide this is going to be the concept about like, the whole sort of post World War Two family thing? Just was that conversation with me and Jay? Yeah, it was just off the top of my head. Like, I'm going to put it in this time. That's pretty cool because, like, if you're looking to people like Fitzgerald and Cormac McCarthy, it's like, well, it's creating a grander narrative in which people can ultimately, hopefully, identify with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that. <clears throat> Some of those, some of those stories, not all of them, but some of them are are kind of timeless. Like, um, even stuff that that I don't know that McCarthy writes about, you know, a hundred years ago or more. You know, settling the West and stuff like that. There's still a lot of a lot of things that you can relate to to modern society and just how inherently evil people are I think that's, a, that's probably a good answer to that question to be honest um, so like between Defeater and your solo project Alcoa is that, is that how you say it? yeah, yeah. Alcoa um, you seem to keep busy so like that creative impulse you've had is that something that you've had like for as far back as you can remember uh, not really I mean I I didn't really figure out that I I started out playing drums when I was like 12 and then uh, when I moved to guitar I didn't know how to write songs or anything it just like kind of developed over years and even when I was like 18 or 19 all I knew how to write was like jangly Britpop or fucking shitty punk songs so um, yeah I don't know it took a long time to figure out how to actually craft a, a good folk song and by that I just mean a song that you can play on just like guitar or piano not like a fucking political 60s folk song but um, yeah I don't know it took a long time to figure out how to actually play guitar and sing it's interesting that you mentioned Britpop because like I don't know from my perspective being British I guess um, like I had never really understood or even imagined that the Britpop thing would be a thing in America. <laughs> yeah, in uh, in 93, 94, 95, there was a huge, like, secondary, well, maybe not even secondary, maybe, like, third-wave explosion of British pop music, like, Pulp, Blur, Oasis, I mean, obviously, fucking Oasis, um, Lush, Manic Street Preachers, Stone Roses, like just you everywhere you looked, it was just like another British band coming up. And I read NME and CMJ as a kid, and I just found out about so many fucking. I became obsessed with like Creation Records, and it took me a while until until I later in life to like really get into like In Spiral Carpets and Happy Mondays and shit like that. But that that was like my early twenties. but yeah, when I was 15, I could not get enough of Stone Roses and Oasis, and still today, I, like Ride Going Blank Again is like one of my favorite records ever. Manix is one of my favorite bands. I fucking love the Manix. The Holy Bible is just like <clears throat> fantastic album. That's it for me. Like, yeah, right there. It's just get everything in it that you need. Although it's quite a dark record, it's still it's seminal. It's like one of those things. It's like. Like they're saying everything, Richie's saying everything he needs to say there, and 
in a way you can kind of understand why he vanished. Yeah, you know? I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's interesting that like the music that you write with your soul stuff has kind of got that, because like for me, I've got a kind of Ryan adams vibe with it, you know? Yeah, so, I, and, do, I do love Adams a lot, a lot. Um, and, I mean, he admittedly is like a huge British rock fan as well. Um, but yeah, I mean like there's, there's heavy Smiths and cure influences from way back then. Like, I don't know. This guy just got snuffed that too. <laughs> so he did. They're, they're all like, right. Yeah. They're a good band. Oh, I won't offer my opinion on the Smiths, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You can hate them. We don't care about I don't care about you. <laughs> well, thanks for very much for talking to me, man. Um, have you got anything else you'd like to say before we finish up? No. No. Everyone says that. It's like, do you want to say anything else? And like, nah. Yeah. I have I nothing else. I don't know. Yeah, so we're as kin. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for, especially given that you're not feeling so great, man. I'm thank, yeah, thankful for talking been, to you. I've been losing my voice, so. Yeah, I know how that feels being a singer as well. Yeah, that's a fucking tough deal, man. Just yelling too much. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Of course. So there you go. That was okay, wasn't it? I thought it was pretty cool. It was nice to hear some of his thoughts on how the band have evolved, I guess you could say, but also for him to clarify some things that have been said in interviews, which after after listening to that, you will now know some of the stuff that's been said in other interviews seems to have been inaccurate. So it's good. I like I like the fact that he's clarified that. I think that's kind of that gives that gives value, and it makes, in my mind anyway, it makes the interview more interesting and a, a bit more unique than what you would usually hear in an interview with a band member. So that was pretty cool. So thanks to Derek for taking the time to talk to me. I appreciated that a lot, especially you know, like I said, after doing it after the show, that's hard. Doing anything after you play a show is difficult. You just feel so drained. And if you add on top of that the fact he was ill, then, you know, that that was tough. So I really appreciate that. So, yeah, thank you for listening to this episode. And thank you for listening to the podcast. It's, it's going really well so far. It's been, it's been a good experience. And I'm enjoying every single goddamn second of it. So please keep listening. Head on over to thecuratorpodcast.com. Sign up to the newsletter for some cool updates. That'd be awesome if you could do that for me. That'd be sweet. And if you're feeling cheeky, drop me a review or rating on iTunes. I'd love that as well. So thank you very much for listening. I'm going to play you out now with another Defeater track. This one is from their last album, Letters Home, and it's called Bled Out. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 